Good day, fellow investors. Welcome to the Modern Value Investing Podcast with Sven Karlin, where we compound investment returns as well as investment knowledge in order to help you achieve your financial goals. Good day, fellow investors. I just received this book as a gift from Monish Pabrai, and the book discusses the psychology of money, but it focuses on the soft investing skills, because investing is about you. We discuss a lot of technical things here, from value investing, from valuations, from how to value a company, but when you have your soft skills, okay, settled and good fundamentals there, then everything else that's technical becomes much, much easier. And therefore, I really enjoyed the book. I decided to write some notes as I read it, and I'm happy to share that with you. We're going to go through all the 18 factors that the book discusses. I really think those factors will help put putting a better perspective on your investments and how those impact your life. So if you enjoy this, please smash that like button. If you think of buying this book, I will put a small affiliate link in the description of the video below. If you click on that link, I get a tiny, tiny commission. If you don't click on that link, this guy gets all the money. Of course, just a disclaimer, I'm not paid by Morgan Housel to do any kind of reviews. I never did a sponsored uh, video and I think I'll keep not doing sponsored videos. So it's just because I enjoyed the book. Now, let's start with topic number one. No one is crazy. We discussed market overvaluation. Is the market crazily overvalued? Are we in a bubble? And the book simply says that It might be from your perspective, but from other people's perspective, this might be completely normal. And I'll share my experience over the last 20 years of investing. And when you read the book, you'll compare it to my experience and also to your experiences. This is where I come from, from Croatia. This was happening when I was eight years old. So this was my reality back then. We had hyperinflation. So we started with 25 for a loaf of bread. We entered with 100,000 just in a few years. And that's exactly the reason why I'm a trillionaire here with a lot of, a lot, a lot of money. Oh, I just lost a billion. Oh, that's nothing. I have trillions. So when it comes to investing, my experience and my decision-making patterns will be completely different from your decision-making patterns. We are from different countries. We are from different education systems. We are from different capitalist and communist systems. So a lot of different things. And that's something we have to understand. I have been investing for 20 years now. I have started investing in 2002 when everyone wanted to get away from stocks. Stocks are gamble, stocks are risky. And then I looked, oh my God, this is seven, eight, ten, thirty-three 33% dividend yield there because stocks are risky and I was buying. So I was lucky to start at the bottom. Then, of course, I have also lived through 2009 and saw all the panic that people lost money there. I sold too early, of course, on my great gains in the earlier periods, but then I was accumulating like crazy 10 years ago. And yes, compared to 10 years ago, now the market is extremely overvalued, but as we'll see in the book, that might just be 
my perspective, and I must not allow myself to be biased because I was buying in 2002 or 2009. So really think of what impacts your decision making and enlarge that knowledge by reading, by listening to other people's opinions and see what is the best decision for you. That will be the topic of this video, of course. I also think I have a different psychology on things which might lead to different strategies than you might have and that is completely normal. No one here is crazy. Very, very interesting chapter because if you look at what's on YouTube now and that describes the market. If we look at the number of accounts on brokerage exploding over the last year, we have stocks or stonks only go up. We have low interest rates. We have free money, helicopter money coming to your account without that you do anything in Europe and in Europe, everyone rushing to stocks as a casino because these people, most of them just see the last 10 years or the last five years or the money others made on Bitcoin, etc. And that is their experience. They have not yet witnessed something bad or they witnessed March 2020, but they also witnessed the Fed will save me. So that is what drives the current market. And no matter how rational it is to think about other things, what happened, the Fed will save us, is the main mantra. That's also something very important to understand. Second topic, luck versus risk. If you 10x your money, you are a genius. But if there was a 90% risk that you lose all your money for doing that, then you are not really a genius, you just got lucky. And when investing, I feel that it's very difficult to assess the risk. Everybody is saying the S&P 500 outperformed Berkshire. Yes, but nobody is calculating the risk of one versus the other, the business risk, not the volatility risk. So that's very interesting to just keep a concept in mind. I have no regrets for missing this over the last 10 years because I just looked at the risk at whatever place here and I said, okay, this is not for me. This is something I don't do. I look for other things and therefore I am okay with missing this. Which leads to another topic, which is having enough at some point. This is so important because with the benchmarks, with portfolio targets, with how much money you need, you always go higher, higher and higher, and then you end up dead and rich. At some point we have to stop. Okay, this is enough for me. In the last few years, I got offers to do courses, to do presentations, to set up hedge funds, many opportunities there. I had free emails asking me, Sven, when are you going to launch an ETF just yesterday? But then I have to know, okay, if I do that, what do I gain? I gain more money, also more stress, less time with my family, etc. So that's also always something you have to balance because at some point, just chasing money will never make you happy. Having freedom, also another topic we'll discuss later, is what makes you happy with your money. But you have to put a level for yourself when it is enough. As Buffett says it, rational people don't risk what they have and need for what they don't have and don't need. So really, also, if you are close to retirement, think about whether you are risking what you need 
and what you have for what you don't need and don't have. It's natural for us to be greedy, but at some point enough is enough. Next topic is about compounding and Warren Buffett's compounding and something that people miss when it comes to compounding. Now, Warren Buffett was a millionaire when he was 30. So let's say he started with a million and zero contributions. And let's say he stopped, he would retire 40 years ago when he was 60. So he did 20% per year. And if you calculate how much would a million be after 40 years, when he retires, his total money would be 237 million. With 237 million, he would not be the richest guy on earth. We would not quote him nor nothing, he would just be a guy. Of course, as he kept on doing it for another 30 years, we are now at 56 billion in 20%. I think he is now worth about 100 billion. He added something in the 60s. So that's maybe also an addition to the compounding, but that's a huge difference. So yes, Buffett is great, but if Buffett had retired 30 years ago, the story would be much, much different. So also allow yourself the perspective on time when you think about compounding and also when you listen to these great investors' stories. So in short, Warren Buffett's life and a great introduction to the conference call that we'll summarize here is, yes, Warren Buffett invested for 70 years, day in and day out. That's it. And then Warren Buffett had a great return of 20%. But the key is not just to get wealthy, the key is also to stay wealthy, which is also connected with the risk and reward of investing. And if we go to Charlie Munger, avoiding stupidity is much easier than seeking brilliance. And if you have that attitude, then you know you're going to allow for that compounding effect over the long term. If you risk too much, if you lose your compounding potential, if you are wiped out, then it's gone. And that's something we really have to keep in mind when risking. And uh, there is a lot of young people here on YouTube that feel that taking as much risk as possible is the best way to go, but if you get wiped out, wiped out, you never allow for the power of compounding. Then when it comes to the stock market, stock market news, what stocks to buy, 10x this, 10x that, and what to do now. And I get a lot of questions saying, what should I buy now? How should I structure my portfolio now? No, the stock market is about what you will do in difficult times, and the stock market is about, even if you just get 50% of the things right, you'll do really, really good. As Peter Lynch used to say, if you get six out of 10 right when investing, you are the GOAT. And the key is always, what will you do in difficult times? It's easy to invest now, buy stocks when all stocks go up, but over history, most of the times, stocks are below their all-time highs, and you always feel, okay, stocks are going down, what am I going to do? Therefore, the only answer is investing in businesses, which is something that if you started investing in the last decade, you never experienced because you only experienced stocks going up. So whatever you do, don't allow yourself to be wiped out. Always play in a way that no matter what happens, worst case scenario, you are there tomorrow again investing and compounding. Also, why are you investing? That's a key question you have to answer and find an answer to yourself. 
it's about freedom that money brings. And this is also a great comparison between Buffett and Munger and why I love Munger more than Buffett because Munger, all he wanted, and if you read his book, all he wanted is financial independence. All he wanted is to be independent and to think whatever he wants to think. That's why you also enjoy his commentary more than Buffett's. Buffett wanted to be the richest guy on the world. Buffett wanted to be loved by all others, which is something to be very, very careful about. So never mind those two, but if you go for independence, you'll also know, okay, what will bring you there, what you risk. If you just go for maximizing your portfolio because you think that will make you feel good, you will take likely more risks and risks too much. Then, of course, this also leads to what kind of car you drive, which is just an example, but a good an anecdote. I made a video two years, three years ago about the second-hand car I bought. I still drive that car and I plan on driving that car for the next five, seven years, ten years, who knows? I really enjoy it. It's all I need from a car. Would I think that other people think better of me if I drive a better car, a more expensive car? I can buy that car, but I would just be 50 grand poorer if I would drive a fancier, newer car. So that's the weighing you have to do. And of course, it's about your psychology. I can't tell you that it's crazy to do something for your sister, for your brother-in-law, or for your neighbor, because you think they'll think that you think you think they think something better of you. So just try to be rational and use what you like the best. The link to the video of my car that I bought a few years ago and it's still doing great, no expenses, no nothing, is in the description below. Similarly, very interesting point is wealth is what you don't see. There is rich that people flash around rich and there is just being wealthy, being free, being free to do whatever you want and that's a big difference because people think that somebody with a Ferrari is rich or a Porsche, but I just met a person that's very, very rich. I think they co came with a French Peugeot or something, a monovolumen of those cars that, okay, you would never say this guy is rich, but that guy is richer than many, many out there. And how to get rich? They say it, it is assumed also in the book that you don't have to say it to people, but without saving money, you are never going to get rich. And that's also something you have to weigh when it comes to investing and saving money. The focus should first be on saving money, increasing your income, and then on investing. Let me explain. Let's go to our government's compound interest calculator. Let's say we start with 10,000. You have a capital, a portfolio of 10,000. Let's say our monthly contribution is 500. And let's say we invest for, I don't know, 20 years. The estimated interest rate 10%, so all well there, let's calculate. And in 20 years, with our numbers, we have 410,000. Okay, so you have to reach 10% return, the markets are now giving 6%, so you have to put a lot of effort in doing that. But let's increase this to 1,000 per month and estimated interest rates, let's say what the market gives, 
percent. So we are there and we are close to 473,000. So saving money, focusing on that, increasing your available investments by 50% from 500 to 1,000 in a month is possible, especially in developed worlds. Some some side job, some something that can give you the 500 extra managing a property or whatever, that's something that will give you higher margin of safety. If then you do 12%, 15% on that, even better. Here is a topic, reasonable versus rational, that I disagree with the author here. That's also possible because he says that it's better to be reasonable than rational. For example, if you have high fever, the rational thing to do is to lie in your bed and rest and allow the fever to heal your body but while the reasonable is to take a pill and uh, put the pain away. And here I'm thinking this is borderline risky to say it because I haven't taken any pills for 10 years while I have taken them as a kid earlier and it my body was a mess. Then now that I allowed my body to take in the pain of high fevers, lie in bed for a day. Now I have no more fevers and everything gets much, much easier. Also with investing, if you allow yourself more pain, your long-term returns will be much, much higher. And that's the rational thing for me to do. And so I'm going for rationality, not something reasonable to avoid crashes or to diversify into bonds, etc., etc. But again, that's up to you to see what's best for you. I think that if one increases his knowledge, then increases his tolerance to pain, increases his ability to understand what's going on in the markets. It makes it much easier to be rational than just reasonable. Of course, one topic, surprise, we have COVID now and the book writes how we will always be surprised about what happens with the economy, markets, with interest rates, with stocks, with whatever. Always expect that your plans will not go according to plan. That's a given in life. But good to keep in mind when it comes comes to investing. If you expect all kinds of surprises, you also have to allow for room for error, which is value investing and margin of safety. That's again another given, but people don't take it into consideration much. What is your margin of safety? Another life perspective that's extremely important, but we simply don't think about it because we are focused on what to do now, is to have a clear path or know that your financial needs will change as your life evolves. You might get, um, hopefully not, divorced, you might get this, you might lose your job, you might want to change your job and move to Alaska or something like that. So that's something that you have to incorporate and take it as a given and that will also help you into making decisions when it comes to your money. Something very peculiar, nothing is free. That's something you have to understand when it comes to investing, reaching those returns. Will it be 5%? Will it be zero? Because zero is what you get in the bank. If you're happy with zero, that's free. 5%, 6% index funds, you already have to start learning what can happen. You have to tolerate more and more pain the higher you go with those returns. Not risk, pain, because of the unknowns and having more knowledge, more time invested. And that's something we have to also expect. I see a lot of people that expect things for free and that's not something that is anywhere in life. 
nor in investing. You and me also be careful when it comes to listening to others for advice because we are all different. You and me, as said at the beginning, we are all different, different needs, different experience, different tolerance, different knowledge. Everything is different. So always, I always say people try to find the answer that is best for you. The vehicle that will lead you to your financial goals. On another perspective about sentiment, how it is very easy to sell pessimism. And he says that if you predict a big recession ahead, all the newspapers will call you. If you go for slow and steady up and down, for a long term, nothing spectacular, nobody cares. And YouTube is so full of these crash videos. Whenever I put crash in the title of a video, the views just go up, up and up. YouTube promotes it. Everyone is so interested, panicked about that crash. So I'll keep putting crash in video titles, not in this book, but it helps my YouTube. If I don't put crash, then my channel goes down, down and down. So I have to balance crash and let's say reality behind the crash that we never know when it will crash it might it might not so the question is as this book also says what will you do good example here in december 2008 the wall street journal published articles about russian professors that predict the destruction of the united states that's really crazy but it can get up to this and this Professor Panarin admits that he got a lot of calls on his theories in 2008 because that was what happening. Very peculiar. Now we have the Wall Street Journal launching a SPAC newsletter playing on that fear of missing out, especially SPAC mania gather space in Europe. So subscribe to this not to miss out. So always selling fear is the easiest short term sell, but it's about you whether you want to listen to those short-term sales or build portfolios and knowledge that will do well no matter what happens. There will be crashes in the future when I don't know. Crashes, on the other hand, we have stories that are sold to us, stories that we like to believe from specs, from anything, from 2007 where housing never goes down to 2021 where stocks never go down because of the Fed's put and the Fed protecting us. It's up to you to see how much you're going to believe these stories. There is some truth, there is not anything is like that. It's impossible to be 100% certain, but you have to find what works for you. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments, please let me know. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five-star review as it means a lot to me. Thank you and I'll be speaking to you in the next episode.